Well, good morning. How you guys doing? Fantastic. Thank you so much for hanging out with us at One Church TV. And if you're watching online, uh, we want to say thank you so much for hanging out and clicking in and going through the whole chat thing. That is such amazing. Uh, we are ending our series entitled Bold Take the Land that we've been looking at Joshua. And uh, I'm so glad. Uh, I love the book of Joshua. Um, uh, we, I've uh, studied it in our small group in the past. Uh, we've actually, I've talked through the book of Joshua before here at One Church. But anytime I can get an excuse to go and talk about Joshua and just kind of see what God does when he shows up and shows out, it's just exciting. And again, uh, if you're, this is your first time here, we want to say thank you so much for hanging out with us. You're our honored guest. And um, if this is your first time, you're kind of coming in on the end of a movie. Anybody ever showed up at like a movie theater, like what the end of the movie was happening? Anyone? I've done that, right? I mean, you showed up and it's like, oh, I, it's ruined, right? I, now I know he dies. Now I know that Superman dies at the end of Batman versus Superman. Thanks for coming to OneChurch.tv. Anyway, anyway, I was like, what? What is up with this? Well, I mean, did somebody not give me a spoiler alert? What's going on, right? So if this is, uh, if this is your first time, you come to the end, I would encourage you to go back and uh, you can download our app for free. You can listen to our podcast. You can go on uh, Vimeo and watch it. Um, we got like a thousand different ways that you can connect and be able to intersect with the message. So I just encourage you to do that. Uh, let me just give you a brief overview of what Bold is. Because about a year ago, about this time last year, uh, we started this new initiative, this m- new move. We're entitled Bold. And it came from a line that I read from a fantastic book called The Circle Maker. Uh, Mark, ba- Mark Batterson wrote that book, but it's, it, this, this line just kind of captured my heart that bold prayers honor God and God honors bold prayers. And I love that because I believe so many times you and I, we have a tendency to dream safe dreams. And I believe that that doesn't really honor God, that we are to dream big dreams and, and invite God into our life and us actually step into his life and see what he has for us. So um, one of the things that we're looking at doing over the next five to ten years as a church is our first bold move is we want to be able to secure a permanent location We want to be able to secure a permanent location. We've been mobile now. Uh, This is our ninth year, and uh, the wheels are starting to fall off some of our stuff, and we're realizing that all the money, the hundreds of thousands of dollars, uh, to be honest with you, it's almost close to a million dollars we've spent in rented facilities that we could have already had a facility almost paid off by now. So uh, it's one of those things that is we're always wanting to handle money better. We want to be able to do ministry better. And we believe that finding a permanent location uh, for us to be able to do that is going to be able to help that. Because we know that ministry doesn't just happen on Sunday mornings, right? We want it to happen all throughout the week. But for some reason, this facility is being used Monday through Friday something i don't know um and and when i try to walk in you know security come and like escorts me out so i don't know what's going on but i'm just kind of joking but we want to be able to find a secure location so uh and uh, our second bold move is we want to continue to start churches that unchurched people love to attend and uh that first goal is we want to be able to start another church here in clarksville um, we want to be able to create more churches where un- more unchurched people love to attend. And we believe that being able to find different places in Clarksville where they're growing and being able to start churches there so that they can be able to understand that Jesus loves them. And then that eventually is going to move out into where we're starting un- more churches that unchurched people love to attend across state lines. So we figure out where more, the majority of our army and military are moving to and where they're PCSing to, and we start churches there. Because one of the things I hear over and over again from people who've been a part of one church and then they leave is, when are you going to start a church in Fayetteville? When are you going to start a church in Texas? When are you going to start a church in Colorado? And um, though our worship pastor, Justin, would be willing to start a church in Colorado yesterday, uh, that is, uh, it, we're just not there yet. So, and, uh, so anyway, so that's, that's what we're wanting to do with Bold. And as I said, we're looking at this bold guy by the name of Joshua in the Bible. And let me just say this. I'm going to go very quickly about what we've talked about. But God showed up to Joshua in a, in a, in a time of crisis. 
in which uh, Moses died and Joshua is the new leader in charge. And God shows up and says, Joshua, wherever you put your foot, I'm going to give you that land. But in order for you to be able to take the land, you've got to take a step. And that's exactly what Joshua did. And uh, in Joshua chapter 3 that we looked at last week, we see that they are, they are I mean, they're looking at the promised land. They're looking at the land that God had promised them is wants to give them, but the problem is there's this raging flood stage river that in, called the Jordan, and the word Jordan means to descend, and it descends 10,500 feet from Mount Hermon all the way to the Dead Sea, and it is raging. And God says, I want you to be able to experience a miracle, but you're going to have to get your feet wet. You're going to have to take a step. And what, what we saw last week is the, the priest carrying the Ark of the Covenant, this 300-pound gold-plated box. They step down into the water, and the water doesn't part like it did with the Red Sea. It's raging, and it's rushing, and it's the weight of that Ark of the Covenant that's keeping them centered and their feet on the ground. And we learned that Hebrew word last week, kabod. Anybody remember that word? Say it with me. Kabod. I didn't say kamod. I said kabod, and it literally means the glory of God or weight or weight or just, I mean, just the pressure of it. And what's so cool is the glory of God, that weight kept them centered. And what happened is we saw that the water started stopping and the water stopped 16 miles upstream from where they're at. And the water's still raging, and they don't see God moving, but God is moving. He's just moving 16 miles upstream. And slowly that water just got down to a trickle, and the Israelites, the two million Israelites, walked across the dry riverbed. And today, what I want to talk about today is remember. I want to talk about remembering. Remembering. How many of y'all, you would say that you have good memories? Let me see your hands. Okay, how many of y'all, you would say that you have a terrible memory? Thank you. Thank you, thank you. Uh, those that know me the best know that my memory stinks. Now, let me tell you, there's some good and there's bad things with that. I can't hold a grudge because I can't remember why I was mad at you. I kid you not. I mean, I just can't. Um, I, 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 I just I struggle with remembering stuff. And, and, and just like for all of us, you would, you know, we, I have a tendency to forget things. You have a tendency to forget things. So many times we write them down. We even put special events and pictures so that we don't remember them. Kind of like this picture right here. That is my wife and I. We got married on December 11th, 1993. Now, my wife hasn't changed that much. Yeah, I th- thank you for that laugh, all right? Uh, in fact, uh, we, have, we have like a, a picture of Kim and I on our wedding day over our piano at home, and, uh, and somebody says, I didn't know that Kim married Vince Gill. And then they kind of look at me and like, what happened? I'm like, get out of my house. That's what I want to say. <laughs> but, I've, then I, and, and, but I'm a preacher, and I can't. And then I'll get mad at them, but I'll forget about it, and we're okay, right? But, see, all of us, we have a tendency to take pictures or videos of those special days. Uh, in fact, like weddings and graduations and all of this stuff. In fact, let me just kind of show you just how much smartphones have influenced us. This is, in 2005, this next picture. Oh, there's us again. Okay, let's go back. Let's go back, Lincoln, come on. All right, now we can move on. All right. Um, this is the picture in 2005 of when the Pope was, um, was like brought and you know, the new Pope can, and look at this, there's not a smartphone, there's nothing happening. This is the next one is in 2013. Look at this now. Same venue. Isn't that crazy? I mean, how many of you, you go to your kids performances and you don't see it live. You're seeing it through your phone. How many of y'all you'd say that's you, right? You kind of live your life through your phone. All the rest of y'all are lying, all right? I'm just telling you, all right? So here's the thing. For those, again, for those that know me, I I struggle with my memory. Um, And, you know, I can shake your hand in the hallway. And and as you're telling me your your name, I'm repeating your name, okay? Uh, It's Marissa, it's Marissa, it's Marissa, it's Marissa, right? And then um, next, next week when I show up, my mind is devoid, Right? And I'm like, oh, you know. And it's only a lot of times when people start serving that I actually kind of get their name right. In fact, uh, some of you, you know Matt Langer. How many of y'all know the, have the pleasure of knowing Matt Langer, right? 
Uh, why are you laughing? That gum, man. I don't know if you're here. You may be coming to second. I don't know. But see, I, for, uh, for months, I couldn't remember Matt's name. And, and it's only when he started serving in cameras, man, that kind of really forged a, a great friendship that I have with Matt. And now him and I actually get together about twice a week and hang out. And uh, he comes over to my mom's house every Monday night for food. And Matt will come to your house. If you feed him, I'm just telling you. So, um, but I mean, in fact, this is so funny. I can't make this up. Stuff this stuff up. I had a lady. Her name is Melissa, and uh, she was about five weeks ago. I, I remember asking her name, and she told me. And uh, next Sunday, I couldn't remember. I says, "Listen, next time I show up, and I can't remember your name, you hit me really hard right here, right?" And I was joking. <laughs> Y'all see where this is going? And the next week, I'm like, hey, and she says, hey, do you remember my name? And please don't ever do that to me, because the answer will be no, okay? Um, Do you remember that name? And I'm like, and she went, pop! And I'm like, oh my gosh, I almost fell down. But you need to know this, I know her name is Melissa. I know her name. I mean, I live my life by my calendar. Uh, if I don't have it in my Google calendar, I don't show up to events. In fact, just yesterday, uh, I got a reminder that Patrick Fowler's birthday is May the 2nd. It's coming up. And just to let you know, I'm not really saying this so that you have to give him a gift, but if you want to, he is registered at Bed Bath & Beyond. <laughs> but see, all of us have a tendency to forget. We do. And though most times forgetting won't get you into trouble unless it's your anniversary or your spouse's birthday, uh, you know, uh, when it comes to your spiritual growth and your spiritual life, forgetfulness can erode and even derail your faith. Can you say that with me? Forgetfulness can erode and even derail your faith. It can. And let me tell you, our nation knows this. It, 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 it tells us that we need to remember some things. Uh, if you grew up and, and you, like, you like history, you remember this place right here. This is a picture in San Antonio of what? The Alamo, exactly right, the Alamo. And in fact, the Alamo, of course, fell under Santa Ana's Mexican forces uh, back in the 1800s. And um, it's amazingly, you see, uh, let me show you another one. Here's another one. What about this one right here? Anybody know where this is? Pearl Harbor, exactly right, in Oahu. And, uh, and we have this thing, remember, you know, remember Pearl Harbor, the day that will live in what? Infamy, exactly right. December 7th, 1941, 755, Japanese uh, forces came that morning and bombed Pearl Harbor. And this is the U.S. Arizona. What's so interesting about this, you can oh, go back if you would. You can, you can still see the oil seeping from this battleship. And then, of course, this one, remembering 9-11. How many of y'all, you remember where you were at on September 11th of 2001? See, all of us do. And I remember it was a Tuesday I was uh, just started pastoring in Iowa. Literally, I got in there like a couple days before that. And my very first sermon I had to preach was the Sunday after that fateful Tuesday. And we have this whole idea of remembering, uh, we can remember 9-11 and Osama bin Laden and his terrorist organization flying planes into buildings and just the horror of all of that. You know, you can go to Texas, you can go to Hawaii, you can go to New York City, and you can see these memorials and these monuments, and they have, these events have marked our nation, haven't they? I mean, how many of y'all remember what it was like to fly before 9-11? How many of y'all, you remember what your life was like before 9-11? Some of you, you weren't in the military then. Or if you were, it was a vastly different military, wasn't it? Um, so you, these memorials and these monuments remind us that our lives are part of a bigger story and that, that these monuments are a reminder for us to remember the lives that have been lost, the price that has been paid for our freedom. Did you know in the United States we have 30 national memorials, some cur- uh, commemorating U.S. presidents like this one? This is, anyone? Exactly right. How many of y'all been to the Lincoln Memorial? Exactly right. I remember uh, just history books, and I've been there, but Martin Luther King standing there on those steps giving his I Have a Dream speech. Or or this next one. This next one is the Washington Monument. Of course, uh, commemorating George Washington. 
Um, you also have uh, the Martin Luther King Jr. Memorial. I've actually not been to, but it's actually in D.C. I've been to uh, his uh, church that he pastored, uh, Dexter Avenue Baptist Church in um, Montgomery, Alabama. I've also been to Ebenezer Baptist Church, which is in Atlanta, that him and Daddy King pastored. Um, but I've never been to this monument. But these three monuments really memorialize three men that have made an impact uh, on our culture and on our nation. Uh, we also have memorials that encourage us not to forget very painful uh, at times in our in our history, like the Vietnam Memorial, um, or this next one, the Korean Memorial, the uh, the Korean War, um, we all have a way of remembering those events like that, places and things that we've experienced. Is because if we don't remember it, significant life occurrences can become distant memories that are eventually forgotten. We have to remember because of the pace of all of our lives. It's easy to forget where we've come from and more importantly, how we got here and even more importantly, where we're going from here. And this is no less true than in biblical times because to help his people remember the works that God has done and how God had been faithfully present in their lives, God would command his people, the Israelites, to build memorials all throughout the Old Testament, to build these memorials so that people would not forget. The Israelites had just crossed the Jordan River, had just crossed the Jordan River to take possession of the Promised Land. And this is what we read in Joshua chapter 3, starting at verse 16. Then all the people crossed near the town of Jericho. Next verse. When all the people had crossed the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, Now choose twelve men. Why twelve? Well, one from each tribe. Verse 2. Tell them, take the twelve stones from the very place in the middle of the Jordan where the priests are standing. All right, one more. Carry them out and pile them up at the place where you will camp tonight. So again, just to remind you, there, the, what used to be a raging river is now a dry riverbed, and Joshua is commanding his people to go and get some stones. And then it says this in verse 4. So Joshua called them together, the 12 men that he had chosen, one from each of the tribes of Israel. He told them, go into the middle of the Jordan in front of the ark of the Lord your God. Each of you must pick up one stone and carry it out on your shoulder. 12 stones in all, one for each of the 12 tribes of Israel. We will use these stones to build what? A memorial in the future. Here's the reason why you do memorials, because it's all about the future. In the future, your children will ask you, hey, did that really happen? What do these stones mean? And then you can tell them, they what? Remind us that the Jordan River stopped flowing when the Ark of the Lord's Covenant went across. These stones will stand as what? A memorial among the people of Israel forever. You see, before delivering on a promise that God had been waiting generations to fulfill, that is, to go and take the land, God had to, had made them stop and it made them hit the pause button so that they could remember the incredible works that he has done. So why? So that their faith might be strengthened, so that future generations would see these stones and ask, hey, what is this all about? And they could hear the story of the incredible work that God has done. Let me tell you, monuments drive the movement. Monuments drive the movement. We see this all in our history of the 30 memorials and monuments. That we're, I mean, they, they're there so that they can move us. So that we can be able to have ties to the past, but also so that we won't forget, so that it will change our future. I love that. That monuments drive and fuel the movement. And just like the nation of Israel, that we as a church, as one church, should intentionally take time to remember and celebrate God's faithfulness. Our past victories are so vital for our future successes. And being used by God is a privilege and an honor that you and I just can never take for granted. We can't take for granted. If we forget, they will become distant memories. And if it's, this idea is true for the nation of Israel, it's true for us. I mean, they didn't have social media. We do. 
They didn't have email or smartphones or any of the things that can remind them. But they kind of sometimes clutter our lives, but we get those reminders, right? How much more should we have the discipline of stopping to remember and to memorialize what God has done in our life? God had taken an entire nation across the river, two million people. The 12 tribes of Israel led, the, 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 I mean, led all of the people across the Jordan. So Joshua picked one man from each tribe so that they would, each tribe would have a memory of this occasion. Listen to this. He sent them back into their past. Joshua sent them back into their past. I want you to walk back where you've already crossed into the river that you've crossed. And I want you to pick up the stone where the Ark of the Covenant is, where the priests are standing with the Ark of the Covenant, which represents the power and the presence of God. It makes me curious how many treasures you and I, it might be buried in our past if we just have, if we're brave enough and bold enough to go back and unearth. You see, some of you, your past are so painful, you want to be, you want your future to be totally devoid of your past. But you need to know this, your past, God sent these people back into their past so that he could remind them of what he's done and what he wants to do, not just for you to remind you but to remind your children and their children's children and their, and their great-grandchildren. I mean, so that you can share with the people around you that their faith might be strengthened. To do the hard work. And I'm encouraging you today. Some of you, you need to do some hard work of going back into your past and carrying out some of those nuggets that may be very, very painful. But it just shows you just how far you've come. So that... You can be able to not give glory to you or, to, or, or give honor to some of the junk that you've done. No, no, no. So that you can kabod. You could do the glory of God and be able to shine him off for each of us. I think those treasures and those stories of what God has done are there to only preserve if we only take time to remember, to preserve our faith. Because monuments drive the movement. So how do we do that? How do we remember? How do we get good at remembering? Well, I'd love to tell you, but I forgot. <laughs> I'm joking. Um, how do we take time to remember? Well, when I stop to remember, here's what it does. Number one, it connects me with all, it connects me with all God has done. With all God has done. This is what Joshua 4.20 says. It was there at Gilgal that Joshua piled up 12 stones taken from the River Jordan. Then Joshua said to the Israelites, in the future, your children will ask, what do these stones mean? By the way, does this sound familiar? I mean, he repeats himself in what it says in verses 4 through 7. It's crazy how remembering and repetition are so key to be able to have it just stay in our minds. So, what do these stones mean? Then you can tell him, this is where the Israelites crossed the Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the river right before your eyes, and he kept it dry until you were all across, just as he did at the Red Sea when he dried it up. Until we all had crossed over, he did this. Why did he do it? Here's the purpose. So that all of the nations of the earth might know that the Lord's hand is powerful, so that you might fear the Lord your God forever. I like this verse. Keep it up if you would. He did this so that everybody would talk. Any of y'all got people in your life to talk about you? Uh, probably all of us, right? Now, this is what's so cool here. He did this so that everybody would talk, but they're talking good. In fact, what's so cool is when you get to Joshua chapter 6, and I encourage you if, you, if you've not started reading the book of Joshua, you need to do that. But when they get to Joshua chapter 6 with Jericho and all of this stuff, everybody in, the, in this town of Jericho that's very well fortified is scared to death. Why? Because everybody's talking. Everybody's talking. And what's so cool, everybody's talking because they chose to remember and God did these amazing, amazing things. That God showed up and showed out and, and, and they didn't really have to do anything because God was the one who was going to fight their battles for them. I love that. When I hear that story, I think to myself, God is so powerful. What can he not accomplish in my life? If, I could do, if he could do that for them, what can he do for me? What can he do for us? Now, some of you, when you hear this story, you hear the same story and you think this. That story sounds a little far-fetched. It kind of sounds like a, a children's story. I've just never seen the power of God on display like that. Well, let's stop there and let's camp out and let's talk about that. 
What if, listen to me, what if the missing ingredient of the story of God's presence and power beginning to become real in your life and, and for, your, for you and for personal generations is not buried within the pages of Scripture, but it's buried in your past? You see, though this story happened thousands of years ago, what if the bridge that God wanted to use to help future generations experiencing him know that he is with them and he loves them, what if that, what if that is actually found not in the Bible but in your life and what he's done for you? I love what Paul writes in 2 Corinthians in chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. He says this, God, everybody say God. God is the source of what? All comfort. And he goes on to say this, so he comforts us in our troubles. Why? Here's the purpose. So that we can comfort others. You see, God is the source of all comfort. You see, you can get comfort from God, but the reason why he comforts us is so that we can comfort others. When they are in trouble, we are able to give them the same comfort that God has given us. Let me say this. In fact, if you would, turn to your neighbor, and I want you to say this, that God wants to encourage you. And then I want you to say this, I also want to encourage you. You see, that's what this verse is talking about. You can get encouragement and you can get comfort, yes, from God, but you can also get it from God's people. You see, we are called, the reason why God chooses to bless us is so that we can bless others. The reason why God chooses to comfort us is so that we could comfort others. The reason why God chooses to show up and to show out in my life and to your life so that you can show up and show out in somebody else's life and you can be the miracle for somebody else. But that means it can't stop with you. It just can't stop with you. You see, most of us, we're like, God, please bless me. He blesses us, and it's like, good to go. I'm good to go. I'm going to be over here. Right? And you see, the reason why God chooses to bless you is so that you will be a blessing to other people. Let me tell you, just some, uh, this is not my notes, so just a, qu- a quick geography lesson. The Dead Sea. Guess what lives in the Dead Sea? Nothing. Right? Nothing lives in the Dead Sea. Why? Number one, because it's called the Dead Sea. But two, it's because, here's the thing, the Dead Sea is actually, um, uh, the Jordan River pours into the Dead Sea, and there is an inlet, but there's no outlet. And let me tell you this, if you're always receiving and you're never giving, well, let me tell you what's the future for you is you're going to be dead. You're going to be dead spiritually. You're going to be dead emotionally. Some of you, you got friends. All they do is take, they never give. You know what you need to do with those friends? Bye, Felicia. That's what you need to do, right? You can quote me on that one. Hashtag bye, Felicia. Okay? I mean, you don't need to be around friends that only take and never give. I mean, some of you are those friends, right? Some, uh, there are some people here that oh, again, you, you just, you receive, but you never give out. And if you continue to do that, what's in your future is, is not life, but death, because that's selfishness. We comfort so that we can be able to comfort others. So let me give you a quick question. What are you doing to preserve God's work for future generations? What are you doing to preserve God's work for future generations. Some of you are artists. You, you like expressing your thoughts and feelings through art. You express things. Maybe you draw things, paint things. Some of you write music. You write music that preserves God's work in you. I think maybe that's the whole reason many of us use social media. We see a beautiful sunrise. We uh, read a favorite quote. We see our children do something, and we post it on social media to memorialize that in some way. How can we do that in this season for us as a church is for us to sacrifice so that we can be able to create a permanent home for future people who show up here at one church. Because when you give and when you sacrifice, we're able to do ministry, to reach people who are far from God. And for many of you, the reason why you serve here at one church for the past three, four, five years is because somebody five years ago invited you to church and you showed up and you were like, wow. And and, and you heard something new, or maybe you experienced something new, and God captured your heart. And that's the reason why you serve. 
You see, when we stop to remember, you know what, it does connect us with what God is doing, but also does another thing, number two. It allows me to experience what God is doing. For the nation of Israel, this was a, such a critical moment for them because they had been enslaved for 40 years, and they had been in the wilderness for the past 400 years, and then they had been in, uh, in the wilderness for the past 40. So that's 440 years that they've been waiting on God's promises. So the children have grown up to become parents that were now grandparents, and in every season of their life, the question had been the same. Are we there yet? How many of y'all got kids and you've ever taken a trip? Are we there yet? My gosh, right? I, 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 I grew up, and my parents, my dad works for the airlines, so we always flew for free everywhere, which sounds great. It's not as great as you think, because half the time, you would get stuck, Right? We've been stuck for days uh, in an airport where you slept at the airport for four or five days. That's not fun, right? Especially when you're a middle schooler. Middle, middle schoolers stink anyway. When you haven't taken a shower for five days, yeah, you know? But my kids, we don't do that. We, our, our children have never, all of us together, flown anywhere. We drive. And uh, some of the places we've driven, we've driven to Virginia Beach, where I used to be on staff at a church there. That's 13 hours away, and all the time, are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Or we would drive to St. Louis. There's not too many are we there yet, because that's only a four and a half hour drive. Going to Orlando from here, 12 hours, so are, are we there yet? No, we're not there yet, right? And that's what the nation of Israel have been asking and asking and asking. And, and then once you get there, though, they have all this pinned-up energy, your kids, right? And they're, like, running around the car, and they're spray-painting stuff on, you know. It's just nuts. They've gone wild. And for the nation of Israel, this was no ordinary road trip. This was a new destination, a new day, a new page was turned in their history. One generation of people was born homeless in, in, in wandering in the wilderness, and now another generation is going to have a permanent home. And because of that, God warned them in Deuteronomy chapter 6. This is what it says. The Lord, your God, will soon, when? Soon, bring you into the land that he swore to give you when he made a vow to your ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It is a land with large prosperous cities that you did not build, then the houses will be richly stocked with goods you did not produce, you will draw water from wells and cisterns that you did not dig, and you will eat from vineyards and olive trees that you did not plant. When you have eaten your fill in the land, here's the warning, be careful not to what? Forget. Forget. Let me tell you, the biggest enemy of you growing in faith is your forgetfulness, and it's definitely my forgetfulness. Because we have a tendency to forget the Lord who rescued you from slavery in the land of Egypt. God gives us a warning. It would be so easy for, for us to take hold of the land and miss out on our relationship with God, the one who gave them the land in the first place. Now let me tell you, the same could be said for us as a church with bold. But I think for us as a church, there is a warning there for us as well. And let me explain that. You know, for me personally, bold isn't just a building program. I see it as a way for us to be able to reach more people. That's my heartbeat. Reach more people here in Clarksville by starting more churches. That is our second bold move. But our first bold move is a permanent location. It's going to entail a building. And I'll, I'll never forget when we first started nine years ago, I had some people around me, and I said, you know what, if we never build, I'll be okay with that. Because I, I, I'm, I'm not passionate about buildings. I'm not passionate about buildings now. I was not passionate about buildings nine years ago. Let me tell you the reason why. Buildings will burn. God didn't die for buildings. God died for people. And it, uh, the warning for us as a church, if we get our, our eyes off of connecting people to Jesus Christ, and we get it on color of carpet... And we'll get it on what color is the paint going to be. And all of that stuff that really doesn't matter a hill of beans. If we get our focus off of connecting, connecting people who are far from God with Jesus Christ, then we are going to be like many of the other churches in this town and all over the world that just kind of exist. Just kind of exist. And I don't want to just exist. Let me tell you what our mission looks like. Here's our mission as a church. To lead people into a growing relationship 
with Jesus Christ. That's our mission statement. There is nothing about a building in there, is there? Nothing. The, the warning for us as a church, you know what, for the past nine years, it's not been about bu- buildings. And for the next nine years, it's not going to be about buildings. Building is a tool that God gives us so that we can use. And that's, 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 that's what we have to see this as. But at the end of the day, it's not about just having a building. My gosh. There are so many other churches in town that have buildings that no one shows up at. And, and I don't want to be that church. I want to keep our focus on Jesus Christ and people who are far from God. Because you know this, 88% of people in Clarksville, Montgomery County don't go to church. And I don't want to just say, oh man, look at the chandelier. Look at the vestibule. Anybody, so some of y'all don't know, some of y'all think I'm speaking in tongues right now. <laughs> look at the pews. Something stink, what? So again, it's not, about, it's not about buildings. It's about people. But one of the things that we're learning is for the past nine years, buildings are not bad. They're just a tool to be able to use and to be able to allow people to come to know Jesus Christ. So let me say this. For the past nine years, we've remained consistent on that. We've been consistent in our mission statement. We've been consistent on our goal of creating churches unchurched people love to attend. We've been consistent with our strategy. We've been consistent in connecting a loving God to messy people, and that will not change. One of my jobs, my biggest jobs as the lead pastor of OneChurch.tv is to make sure that does not change. It has not in the past nine years, and it will not. We cannot get our eyes off of our mission Our focus must be reaching people, not keeping people. So here's my question for this. What are you involved in right now that could change the world? What are you involved in right now that could change the world? God has done so many amazing things here at One Church. And some of you, you know know the thousands of people that showed up through these doors that are no longer with us because they're literally all over the world. I just got, I got a Facebook post that, that, that James and Jennifer Jackson, we used to be in small group together. She used to be a small group, women's small group leader. They just PCS to Korea. And so many of you, you've, you, maybe you've left and then you've come back. And we have the potential to literally change the world here in Clarksville. And let me say this. Uh, back in 2007, I just kind of, as we were dreaming, I just wrote down the vision of what I see God, what I want to see God do through one church. It was kind of my bold prayer. And I just want to read a portion of that to you. This is what I wrote back in 2007. I see a community. I see people beyond measure. I see a culture of faith, hope, and love where people come to believe, truly belong, and start to become. I see Christ. I see his hands. I see his feet, his eyes, and his tears. I see people who have entrusted into the kingdom of God and have discovered what it means to live out their faith as everyday lives. I see a day where every soul in Clarksville is just one friend away from the one church community. This is my dream. I see a caring community. I see a place where everyone matters and no one stands alone. I see authenticity and acceptance. I see thousands of people in community groups who, cho- who choose to do lives together and not apart. I see dirty, scary neighborhoods transformed by the love of a single community group. I see a soldier's life whose husband is deployed being loved in her community group. I see men from one church who are able to step in and love another soldier's child who is away fighting to protect our freedom. I see a community group come together and do yard work and construction work on a deployed soldier's house to a family who needs loving care. I see sharing. I see houses that are shared. I see food and clothes that are shared, shared time, shared money. I see a culture where everything is viewed as a kingdom tool and held loosely with grateful hands. I see children playing together and learning together from their parents' example what it means to live a caring community. I see isolated people connected with friends whom they now do life together. I see a grown man weep for the sins, for his sins for the first time. And I watch as friends hold him. 
I see an elderly woman laugh for the first time in years as she covers her mouth as her eyes are filled with joy. I see people's lives transformed by the greatest healing force in the universe, the unconditional love of Jesus Christ. Healing drug addicts, healing alcoholics, healing egotists, healing sex addicts, healing people suffering with emotional problems and PTSD, healing marriages that are just one step away from divorce. I see him healing sinners to which I am the chief. I see a day where every soul in Clarksville must personally choose loneliness over community because they've been bombarded with the love from this local church from every turn in every neighborhood. This is my dream. I see a Dave Thompson preaching at a one church on Fort Campbell. I see a Luther Ramsey preaching at a one church in Sango and everyone getting together on Monday to share what God has done in these multiple locations. I envision retired soldiers who PCS and now campus pastors in places like Fort Bragg in Fayetteville or Fort Huachuca or Fort Hood. And we all get together on FaceTime to talk about the lives God has changed in all of these different places, even across the ocean in Korea. I envision calling them on a Sunday to introduce a family who is PCSing to their location next week and needs help moving in and getting connected in their new duty station. I see mystery, I see story, I see creativity, I see beauty. This is my dream. I see the children of one church as grown-ups. And when I look at them, I see missionaries and ministers and risk-takers for the kingdom of God. I see a day when one church has multiple campuses overseas so that when soldiers and their families get orders to Germany, Japan, one church is there. That we are literally one church meeting in multiple locations all over the world. I see one church planting multiple churches all over every three years so that we send some of our staff and some of our people out to plant where there are no churches in places like uh, Post and, and Fort Campbell and Hopkinsville and Sango and Oak Grove and yes, even Dover. This is my dream. You see, I wrote that back in 07 and nothing has changed. We are consistent we are, we're, we're, our goal is to consistently take God's word and, and, and talk about it so that everybody can understand it and so that people can be able to move. And let me tell you, that hasn't changed in the past nine years, and we're not going to change by God's help, by God's grace. So what are you involved in right now that can change the world? And the third thing, as I close, I just, it just gives you confidence. It gives you confidence in what God can do. Verse 19, it says this. The people crossed the Jordan on the 10th day of the first month, and then they camped at Gilgal, just east of what? The nation of Israel is now standing in the promised land, and they are looking at their next problem. And they can face that next problem with confidence. Why? Because of what God has done, he will do again. So I'm just going to say this, and, and, and as I close, I'm going to give you the big ask of where we're going to be at is bold. Some of you know this, but out, right now we're $190,000 away from being able to move ground here at Exit 1. And one of the things I'm going to ask you to do as a church today is I'm going to invite some of you to be able to get in, and hopefully all of you to be able to get in and say, I am going to be a part of this movement. So if you have... Uh, everybody should have gotten a bulletin. Go ahead and open that up and go ahead and grab your, my bold commitment. Go ahead and grab that out because I want, I want you to look at this. Um, and by the way, as you're taking that out, let me just say this. If you think somebody else is going to do this, if you think somebody else is going to make this happen, then we will never see this dream happen. Because what happens and just the reality of our church is we lose about 40% of our church every year because of PCS. And you're here today, I don't think it's by accident that you can say, okay, I'm going to step in the river, I'm going to get my feet wet, and I'm going to go all in. So that's what I'm going to challenge you today. Now, as you take out this bold commitment card, I really want to speak to three groups of people today. The first group is the people, you guys are kind of easy to speak to, because I want to speak to those who filled out your commitment card last year, and you're up to date on your commitment. I want to say thank you. Thank you. About 34% of you are up to date on your commitment. And I just want to say thank you so much for being faithful. 
uh, I know life happens and all this stuff, but you've been faithful. I just want to say, can we just give it up for them right now? Thank you so very much. 34% of you guys are up to date. And let me tell you, as you know, so far we've received $287,000 because of their faithfulness. Now, the second group of people I really want to talk to are those people who filled out this card, but you're not up to date. Now, I'm not going to give you any guilt, right? Other churches do that. I'm not that guy. We're not that church. But one of the things I, I just, I want to encourage you. I, you know, maybe you're behind because life happened and, you know, stuff's happened and something broke and your AC busted, whatever it is. And I get that. We had to repel, really, my wife and I had to replace our air conditioning unit this past year. So I get that. But I, my encouragement to you is this, with no guilt. I just want to encourage you to be able to get caught up, to get caught up. For those of you who have fallen behind, if you could just get up to date, that would bring us $125,347 more dollars. And we would only be $65,000 away from breaking ground. $125,000. So my encouragement to you is just get caught up. Now, how do you get caught up? Well, it's kind of difficult, I'll be honest with you, once you get behind. But there's some, I got some good news. Anybody know what type of season we're in right now? If you're an accountant, you do. What is it? Tax season. Now, some of you, you may not get any money back, all right? But probably the majority of us, you're going to get a check back from the government. And you've already spent it three times in your head, right? You have. You've already spent it three times in your head, and you're going to get this or buy that or upgrade that. You're going to get your phone this and that. But here's what you're going to realize. In 10 years, half the stuff that you use that check on is going to be in a landfill somewhere. My encouragement is to take a portion or all of that and say, you know what? I'm going to get caught up to date with that. I'm going to do this. I've been living without it for the past year. I, I can go ahead and do it now. That's one way. Another way, last year, my wife and I, we got rid of cable. And we took the money that we were given to a cable bill, and we were able to apply that towards bold. We refinanced a car payment so that we could be able to give more. And those are practical ways that you can do that. So I would just encourage you to about changing your lifestyle, changing your lifestyle, telling your money where to go instead of, because some of you, you just kind of filled it out last year, and you were like, you didn't change your lifestyle. And you're wondering, how did I get behind, Right? Well, it's because, again, if you're going to sacrifice, you've got to change something. If you're going to go all in, you've got to get your feet wet. And the third group I want to speak to you today is those people that did not fill out a card. I, you guys are amazing. I want to say that. Um, you guys, well, do you know, we have 35% of the people who give to bold are people that did not sign one of these cards. And some of you maybe didn't sign it last year because you weren't here last year. I get that. But my encouragement to you today is to take this card and to pray about it. And before you leave, talk about it with your spouse to you take a pen and you say, here's what I'm going to do. Now, why are we asking you to do that? We're not going to put your name up on a screen. We haven't done that with anyone. We're not going to do that. But the reason why we're asking you to be able to tell us what you're thinking in this commitment is because we'd like to know what you're thinking. I mean, if you're saying, hey, okay, there's some of you who are saying, you know what, I can give, you know, I, I can give $167 monthly by changing, getting out cable and stop going to Starbucks. And you know what? That means I can, you can count on me for $4,000 in a two-year time frame. You can do that. We just need to know kind of what you're thinking so that we can be able to plan accordingly. Because we're thinking in, a, in about a year, year-ish, is when we can be able to close this $190,000 gap so that we can start breaking ground. But that, bless you, but that really is dependent upon what you kind of tell us what you're thinking. So I would encourage you to do that. Now, here's the good news. Over the past year, the past year, we've received $287,854. That's over half of what you guys have committed. So I just want to say thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. But I want you to know we're not there yet. We're not there yet. And the only way we're going to get there is if all of us, we come together and we say, God, what do you want me to give? So I'm, gonna, I'm just going to pray for us. We don't have any songs as we leave. We're not going to do like any like special music that's heart-wrenching. We're not going to have like, uh, uh, who's the lady uh, who sings uh, with the dogs? 
we're, I'm not going to have Sarah McLaughlin come out and sing Angel. I'm not going to do that, okay? That's manipulation. And, and that's just not me, and that's not our church. But what I am, I, I, I am going to ask you guys to do is, you know what? <laughs> You've got to tell, some of you, you need to do a better job telling your money where to go because let me tell you what Jesus said. Wherever your money is, what? There your heart is also. So some of you, man, you, you want to you do something amazing for God. And I'm telling you, you have that opportunity right now on April the 17th, 2016. The question is, are you going to be obedient? Are you going to be obedient? So I'm going to pray, and you guys can mill around here. Here's what I'm asking you to do. If you have those cards, if you fill those out, if you will drop them in one of the buckets as you leave, or we have two tables as you leave that have buckets on them. And I would just ask you just to pray about and say, this is what I'm going to do. And if you want somebody to sit down with you, by the way, I'm not going to know what you give. I don't even know what our leadership gives. But I am going to, if you want to have somebody sit down and say, can you help me get back on track or my finances so that we can get out of debt, we will help you with that. We have people on our staff and our elders who can help you do that. Just, uh, just let us know. Let us know. So as you leave, what are you going to do with those cards? The red, the red uh, baskets, exactly right. All right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you so much, God, for this time, Lord, that we are able to look at a guy by the name of Joshua, who, Lord, just didn't risk his money, but risked his reputation. Lord, he risked it all by literally risking his life to going and, and taking the land that you have given them. And Lord, I pray, Lord, for us as a church. I pray that we would no longer just, just play it safe. I pray for us as families inside of this church. Lord, that for some of us, we have been holding back and holding back and holding back. And amazingly, God, what I read all throughout the Gospels is Jesus never calls anybody to hold back. Jesus calls people to follow him and to go all in. And Lord, I pray that we are, we, if we're not there yet, we become a church that say, you know what, I'm going to be known for giving generously. I'm going to be known for putting my faith where my money is and my money where my faith is. And I'm going to follow you without abandon. So Lord, I pray that you would allow me and my family to be bold. And Lord, whatever figure, whatever you want to put on our hearts, Lord, I pray that we would say yes and not just say it with words, but we would back it up with action. We love you, Jesus. It's your name that we pray. Amen. So here's what I'm asking you guys to do. Can we, I want you guys to clap for yourselves for what God is going to do through you right now. Can you do that? Thank you, guys. Thanks for coming to One Church. You're dismissed.